Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to the show. Chris Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and broadcasting live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm Nick Eber, along with my co-host Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, we've got so much to talk about today after we've had an absolutely uh, the, well, let me put it this way: the weekend of the long shot, right, Kartik? Yeah, I mean, and, and was, he, the Premier League was one thing. I mean, in Europe, we, on the continent, it was even crazier with Juventus dropping points and uh, Bayern losing to Leverkusen and falling four points back. And then in the Premier League, West Ham. You know what? Maybe it's timing, right? They they needed a result. Poor Chelsea had to play them this weekend when they needed a result. And uh, we know West Ham finally have gotten Mikel Antonio fit. They finally have Rob Snodgrass fit. They don't have Lanzini and, and, and Wilshire back yet. But uh, maybe we should have been a little more cautious about uh, that one, right, in, in, in retrospect. Uh, and so much else. You know, Manchester yeah. United, again. Well, we're going to get to a more, Kartik. And, of course, the managerial roundabout continues to turn. As Kiki Sanchez Flores yeah. uh, has been sacked from uh, Watford after a disappointing result, uh, you have to think Marco Silva is on borrowed time at this point after what had to be a heartbreaking loss for Everton against Leicester City. Although, I will tell you, I have an opinion about some of these managers because with all the managerial vacancies out there, you have to ask yourself, who's going to fill them? It's all very well to sack a manager, but you need somebody to take this place. And currently the managerial uh, maneuver du jour is to put a former club legend in place as a interim. But I'm not sure that's going to work out. Plus, let's talk about Leicester City. Is Are these rumors about Brendan Rodgers possibly going to Arsenal or Man United? And he, he admitting that he has a buyout clause in his contract. Is this... Is this tapping up? Kartik, I'm going to ask you when we come back to, from break, because we have to go to break here in a second. You're listening to Fifth Street Soccer. Nick Eber and Kartik Krishnai with you. I'd also like to welcome all of our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. How wonderful it is to have you all with us. And if you're listening on one of our digital platforms, whether it's uh, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, the award-winning Sirius XM app, or you're listening after the show to this show on the Believe Podcast Network, well, we welcome you all aboard and hope you will make us a regular part of your week as we're with you each and every weeknight, 9 p.m. Eastern, that's 6 Pacific on these networks. All right, we'll be right back to kick it off after this. All right, welcome back. You're with Mr. Kartik here on Fifth Street Soccer. Uh, let's get to it, Kartik. Before we get into the managerial merry-go-round, let me put out a couple of things, Kartik. First of all, I want to go down the results from the weekend because I think there were some uh, really surprising results this weekend, and I think the title race uh, might be, uh, shall we say, cooling down quite a bit. Uh, but let's let's talk about it. But what I want to do, Kartik, is talk about some of these matches and then discuss some of the odds, because we gave these odds out on Friday, along with our picks, and unfortunately, we didn't really give you any of these big upsets. But there were some massive payouts here, Kartik. Let's start with uh, Man City, Newcastle at Man City, uh, or Man City at Newcastle, excuse me. Um, 
I I ask you this, Kartik. I mean, uh, I was tempted to think this might be a draw, and I saw the plus five twenty nine. But then I thought, you know, ah, oh, Man City, they just they, they can just look so good when they want to. And then Dude, can they? Well, Are I you basing that on anything you've seen this season? No, this season that well, they're in, not in a the good Champions team. League. They're not. They, you know what, Nick? If the Premier League were a better league, like it was a few years ago, they wouldn't be a top four team. They're not good enough. They're not very good. I mean, just if you look player for player, you look at their performances, they're a tired force. They're a team that I just – I don't think they finish in the top four if Spurs gets going under Jose Mourinho. I, I would – I will say that now on the record. I do not think Manchester City finish in the top four. I think you're looking at Liverpool, uh, Leicester, oh, come um, come on. Chelsea, and then Spurs. If Mourinho gets Spurs going, if not, City will stay fourth because there's only well, – Five possible teams for that top four, but and I don't know if Pep Guardiola finishes the season. Well, I, I don't know if Pep Guardiola finishes the season, but but they are certainly going to finish top four. That is that is that is just a uh, a Manchester City fan trying to protect himself from disappointment. Talking there, that's no, not, it's not that's trying not, to protect myself from disappointment. I mean, talking, I'm I'm much more realistic about this team than Manchester City fans. Most Manchester City fans are idiots. Okay, they're front runners. They're people who do, are not steeped in the history and of the sport. They have no perspective, and most of them have a victimization complex because they're so envious of Manchester United. So they're not very realistic people. I'm much more realistic than the average Manchester City fan. When I've seen these defects before and pointed them out, I've generally been right. Like the season City started with 10 straight wins, Guardiola's first season, and I went on a City supporter podcast and said, I think it's going to be tough to finish in the top four. Now, as it turns out, City did finish third that season, but Chelsea ran away with the league, and Spurs were clearly second, and I think uh, um, Liverpool finished fourth. Yeah, Liverpool finished fourth. But well, I, I just don't I don't see any cutting edge in this team. I think Rodri was a very good signing, uh, but I think without Laporte – uh, at the back, uh, you don't have anything well, uh, solid. Yes. And then going forward, I don't. Want, they don't. They, Manchester City have nothing compared to the other top teams in the, well, in the league with Aguero injured. Okay, so I'm going to disagree with you on a number of fronts here. I am going to agree with you that I think the loss of Laporte to injury has been the greatest single loss for Manchester City, and the fact that they are not going to win the title this year is entirely down to that, in my opinion. Okay. Um, or, be, or, you know, compete till the last day for it. But don't talk about Man City. They've scored more goals by a long shot than any other team in the Premier League. They've scored six goals more than Leicester City. Uh, but I, I want to take this opportunity to point out something. If you look at Leicester City's stats, okay, they are absolutely superlative. And we're going to get to that in a minute because... I, I, I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit in love with this this team right now, Leicester City. I think yeah. they are absolutely dynamic, a dynamo, and and I think Brendan Rodgers has them firing. But we're far from getting to the Leicester City match. Let's move along. Uh, you and I both had Burnley winning at home, Kartik. <laughs> and boy, were we wrong. Seen this one coming. Crystal Palace pulling it out, getting a two nil away away. By the way, to just go back, the draw on the City Newcastle game, and and. I want to just back up, sorry, one second. I'm a bit all over the place here. Go back to the Newcastle game. You know, I don't think it's all very well to talk about City's failings because they are the, the repeated champions and, you know, you expect great things from them. But don't take anything away from Newcastle United, please. Steve Bruce has this team. Yeah, no, I think Steve Bruce is doing 
yeah. Yeah, he's Normal getting a job. hundred horsepower job out of a out of a hundred horsepower engine. I mean, he's got this team firing. I'm not saying they're going to win the league, but I mean they're certainly well out of the relegation zone. Everyone had this pegged down as zero points for them. Yeah, everybody had them pegged as as in the relegation zone at the beginning of the season. So they're they're punching well above their weight. Uh, they're doing really well. I think Steve Bruce, who is a very good manager, proving himself again. Yes. Look, there's a bias against English managers in in the media, right? If you're British, uh, or and particularly if you're English, I mean, some there's. Uh, there's a bias against you. So uh, Tony Pulis, who's well, she gets uh, ripped all the time in, in the press. Uh, Sam Allardyce, who I think is one of the best managers of this generation anywhere on the planet, gets ripped all the time in the media. Frank Lampard, not getting the credit he deserves right now. To me, he's runaway Premier League Manager of the Year. And you can see the individual impact he's had on specific players. Yeah, I hold, talked about that. Hold off Fish on Pulis. that. Okay. Well, Look, oh, come on. You, you, but, but no, no, but you see specific improvement in players that weren't performing this well under the previous managers they played for, whether it was Pulisic at, at Dortmund under Favre or whether it was Tammy Abraham. Uh, although he got Dean Smith helped him a lot last year at Villa. But my point is, Steve Bruce doesn't get enough credit and no, he, he gets laughed at and he gets mocked. And because they want to always hire the foreign fat. manager with the exotic sounding name. Right. Guess what? Mike you know Ashley why? did something right for a change. Because Steve Bruce is older and he's fat and he's not dynamic yeah, and he's, he's not a media yeah, darling yeah, yeah. and he's, you know, a little, little local lad, you know, and uh, it's just, uh, he's doing a fabulous job. I, I don't know yeah, what else to say. Job. It's great. And, and, and that paid out 529 by the way. A $100 bet would have made you $529 on that. So, I mean, that was a really good, uh, a really good return. Uh, Bernie Crystal Palace, let's go to that a second. Uh, you know, Crystal Palace winning, that was plus 424. That was another big result. Nobody had Palace winning that game. Part of the no. reason was that, you know, Burnley uh, were doing uh, really quite well up to up to that point. But, you know, a couple of things to look at if you want to talk about changing fortunes. Newcastle United have lost, uh, have, uh, lost only one game in five. Burnley have lost three out of five. And, you know, they were up, they were high, as high as seventh place before this game. They've now dropped down into 10th, and um, I'm not the biggest Burnley fan, to be fair. Uh, good good result for Crystal Palace, and I think, you know, the manager has uh, got some heat off him, and I think the players have got some heat off them. Uh, it is only one win in the last five, but it was a win no one expected them to get. Yeah, Nick, I think this is what we call a correction, and at this time of the season, yeah. the table kind of does lie. The uh, sometimes teams... Well, teams are further up the table than they yeah. need to be, than they should be, and there are teams that are struggling more than they should, yeah. and they play one another, and the team that's over punching above its weight is playing at home. Sometimes, you know, I, I bet if we went back every season in the Premier League, we'd find a match around this time, late November, early December, like this, with uh, Palace going to Turf Moor and winning. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is a surprise, but as I said, uh, in retrospect, it's what we call a correction. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you, you Zaha, know what? brilliant. Uh, yeah. He had a great game. And, of course, the uh, January window will open soon, and I fully expect uh, 1,001 people to try and come in for Zaha. So we'll find out what happens there. Kartik, your point is spot on. The one thing we say over a 38-game season, the cream will rise to the top. And I, and I want to point out a team that's uh, sitting right now in sixth place just had a 1-1 draw at Molyneux against Sheffield United. And I know, I know we're moving along kind of all over the place here. But... Um, you know, look, Wolves were 
end of September were in the relegation zone in 19th place. Yep. They hadn't won a game all season, Kartik. And you know what happened since that? Since that draw? They haven't lost a game. <laughs> and remember, this was, a, this was the best of the rest last year, Wolves, for, for yeah. my money. So we only they're, have a they're, minute. They're, I'll tell you what, we only Yeah, have they're a playing minute. really well. Uh, here's the thing that's happened. Uh, Nuno Espirito Santo has, found, has figured out how to rotate his squad, playing some guys in Europe, keeping some other guys fresh. He doesn't have a very deep squad, but they've been able to stay fresh enough to pick up points consistently in the Premier League now uh, after going through that rugged qualification for Europa League. Uh, they're going to finish in the top seven or eight. I have no Definitely. doubt about that, and they might go deep in the Europa League. Look out. And by the way, here's a stat for you. In 14 games this season, for a team that was in the relegation zone, they have actually only lost two games all season. So uh, that yeah. is a, a lot very, of draws early. A lot of draws. That's a great statistic. And as you know from Liverpool last year, draws can kill you. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more Fist Street Soccer. Uh, the Germs. How about that for you, Richie Dagger's Crime? If you're, if you're a, a connoisseur of old punk rock, this is the, the right show for you. Uh, and if you like football, welcome back, Fifth Street Soccer, Nick and Kartik with you. We were talking about Wolverhampton Wanderers, and they got that draw against Sheffield United. And, you know, Sheffield were one of these teams that I think have done spectacularly well. Also only losing three games on the season for a promoted side well-run, well-managed, uh, everywhere from the boardroom to the boot room, this club is a finely-tuned machine. And I think we're seeing, uh, they will, I mean, I'm, there's no doubt they'll be staying up. I don't expect them to finish seventh. I expect them to maybe be a little bit lower, but a lot depends on some of the other teams. Let's move along to the other matches from the weekend. Chelsea-West Ham. Now, Kartik, you and I both had Chelsea winning this match at Stamford Bridge. They were the prohibitive favorites of minus 230, the opening line. West Ham, the visitors, they've been struggling under Manuel Pellegrini uh, this year. As you know, uh, they have uh, the last game they won was back in, the, in September, okay? Yet they managed to find a way to go to Stamford Bridge and certainly save Pellegrini's job, by the way. I don't think he's in any danger right now of getting sacked. Nope. Um, in the most unlikely of results, with a um, with a one nil victory over Chelsea, now Kartik, I, I want to point out to you that for Chelsea Football Club, um, this doesn't get any easier. This was three points that they desperately needed, and I'm going to tell you why. They face Villa, who, as you saw today or over the weekend were are starting to look really very good as they get players back from injury. Uh, and um, a big money squad, right? $140 million was invested yeah. in the squad in the offseason. Then they yeah. go to Goodison, where Everton, as much of a train wreck as they are, are going to be fighting for their very lives. Uh, and this is um, Marco Silva's job at stake. He likely will be at the helm for this match, um, although there is... Uh, uh, we'll see what happens midweek with Everton because there's a midweek game as well. Then they go to Bournemouth. Then they yeah they Bournemouth. play they play Liverpool midweek by the way. Everton. Yeah, they play Liverpool. The derby, it's a derby. Yeah, the big derby. Then they play 
uh, Bournemouth uh, at Stamford Bridge, and then they play Spurs at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. I don't think Chelsea have the easiest of fixtures ahead of them. Uh, you know, Bournemouth, uh, Bournemouth are one of these teams that can, uh, you know, really kick up some dirt in your face if you don't watch it. Although they've been on an awful run of form recently, losing to Newcastle. Uh, who else? They lost to Wolves and uh, to Tottenham. But, you know, none of these are easy games. And, of course, that big Spurs match, very difficult. The point I'm making, Kartik, is that, you know, we saw this under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer when he came in. They went on a very nice winning streak when he came in. And then the wheels came off the bus. Are we going to see the same thing? Chelsea have lost two in a row right now. Let's not pretend that this is still a nice, shiny new toy. Well, they, they, they completely dominated the match against Manchester City. But I want to talk about West Ham for a minute because I think it's really important to understand what's happened at that club the last few weeks uh, since Lucas Fabianski got injured. Uh, Roberto was a disastrous keeper to the point where the Upton or not Upton Park, wherever the name of their stadium is now, the new stadium, the London London Stadium, I think it's called, crowd stood and applauded when Roberto made a save when the ball came right to him on a free kick that was directly to him. David Martin, who's a journeyman keeper, uh, has played, played with Millwall. I remember him with Millwall. I know he's bounced around the lower leagues, Scumthorpe at one point, some other sp- uh, places, gets a start, Premier League debut, and keeps a clean sheet at Stamford Bridge and makes some really good saves. So um, the question now is, um, and, and obviously they let Adrian go, which was a big mistake, and he's, he's going to play for Liverpool midweek, obviously, against Everton. Right. Um, does Pellegrini get cut some slack? Because their problems, a lot of them have to do with, with – uh, the keeper position and Fabianski, who they spent a lot of money on uh, this summer, getting injured. So I, I get the sense that, and also I, I should mention that Frank Lampard, you mentioned him, um, nothing motivates West Ham fans more than mention of Frank Lampard. Yes. Because uh, he's the disloyal prodigal son. Uh, they, they feel very differently. And I think you, you know some West Ham fans as well. They feel very differently about Frank Lampard than they do about Joe Cole or Jermaine Defoe or Michael yeah. Carrick or uh, Rio Ferdinand, any number of other players that left West Ham, right? They, they, they think it was particularly disloyal the way the, that Lampard did it. Not that that would impact today's West Ham players, but there, I think for the club, is a little added motivation playing against Frank Lampard. So I'm not sure I want to read too much into this result. But, yes, you make a good point. Chelsea has a run of difficult fixtures in front of them. They have a very young team, which we've talked about over and over again. Guys that could hit a wall. Tammy Abraham is injured. Uh, Olivier Giroud couldn't get the job done, quite frankly. Uh, didn't look his old self. He, he, we got to remember he's pretty long in the tooth now. And you have a lot of young players you're depending on. Reese James. Uh, Tomore, Pulisic, Mount, these are all uh, guys who are teenagers or just above their teen years. So it's uh, it, it, it might be a heavy lift, actually. You make a good point. No, it's a heavy lift. I think it's a heavy lift. And, uh, you know, it's the two in a row that concerns me, not the fact that they lost one of these games or, you know, that they lost to Man City. Uh, but, you know, at home, you're expected to get a result, even if it's a draw against yeah. West Ham. That's not a yeah, game yeah. you're going to lose. And I would just question, watch Chelsea. I don't think they're a lock for the top four. They are certainly in the discussion. Don't get me wrong. I think with the managerial changes that we've seen at Tottenham, um, you know, and, and, and I don't know. I look, yeah. I, nothing's happening with Arsenal, but let's talk about Tottenham. 
Um, you know, I, I think Tottenham are potentially going to be a force to be reckoned with, but we're going to get there when we get there. Uh, next match was Liverpool-Brighton. Um, honestly, Liverpool had this well in the bag with two Virgil van Dijk headers and then, you know, a moment of madness, right? Uh, <laughs> saw um, Allison sent off. Uh, for a deliberate handball, uh, you know, when you when you have an aggressive keeper and and he comes out of the box like that, you know, uh, that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm not too concerned about it because Adrian, yeah. who, who I liked at West Ham, good keeper uh, for a number of years. I think, yeah, yeah, he, he did, he's not he did, good with his feet. He did really well, yeah, but deputizing. he's very he's a great shot stopper. So yeah, and he did really well um, deputizing for for Alex. Yeah, Madison so was think, injured. So I I'm not worried about fine it. But, for, yeah, they'll be fine for a few games. Uh, your your point about Spurs is really well taken because the one hold, thing hold on, I hold really on, hold noticed. Your horses, hold your horses. Oh, We're finishing up the Liverpool Brighton match. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Liverpool prohibitive. Liverpool's favorites. got this League One unless Le- Leicester make a run. Leicester Thank have you. the ingredients, oh, but again, yes. I would stress Leicester is a young team, just like we're talking about Chelsea. Yes. And young teams hit walls. Young players hit walls. Um, if they don't, I think they can push uh, no. push Liverpool. Uh, but let's see. Let's see I would uh, if Harvey Barnes stays at this level and Didi's. Yeah, yeah, but I, I would suggest that there's a difference between a manager that's man- managed at Swansea, at Liverpool, at Celtic. Then there is one who's basically come. Where did he? Where was? He, where was he last time? He was at Derby County. He was at Derby. Yeah. He was at Derby. So you know, it, this may. He is also to... one of the greatest players. Oh, absolutely. Of the last quarter century. There is no doubt. In world football. There is there is no doubt about that. No but... goal. No midfielder had a better knack for positioning sense and scoring goals than Frank Lampard, and that includes Zidane in that. By the way, right? Um, he was unbelievable. Player. But yeah, that doesn't mean he's going to be a great manager. A lot of great players aren't great managers, but I see in his impact on like guys Maradona. like Jorginho and Kovacic already like the Lampard effect. Yeah, the, he's turning him to, into the type of players he was, which I really liked. All right. Well, let's um. Let's uh, draw a line under Liverpool, um, and we can talk about the title yeah. race uh, in the next segment. I'm just trying to keep us keep us on track, Carter, because you and I could take a one-hour show and make it into a 17-hour show because we could sit here and talk about yeah. this all night, which I'd love to do, actually. Um, I mean, I could I could do 17 hours on the Barcelona Atleti game today, yeah, exactly. and I think uh, Simeone. Now we're going to talk about managers yes, in well, the next uh, segment. Hold, hold why the Simeone might want to leave Atleti about now? Yes, he seems may. like he's maxed out on what he can do there. Um, and would he? Would he? Could he? Should he go to Arsenal? Or I would. Is I there, would do it if I were him, and if I were we Arsenal, I'd pick up the Spanish managers. Now. That's the yeah. other possibility. So let's talk about that when we get there. Let's talk about uh, the great turnaround because I, I want to discuss Tottenham for a minute. They they, they beat Bournemouth. It was really <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was three-two. Uh, uh, I, I never really thought they were going to lose this match, Kartik. I mean. Yeah, the, you, you know, the, the huge, it, it, it's it's a funny thing. I said, and we only have two minutes left, but I said when Mauricio Pochettino said if they won the Champions League, he would leave Spurs, I just knew in the back of my mind that was the end. Because when you make uh, that statement, you take all the belief away from your players. You're telling your players this kind of fluke run we've had to the final of the Champions League is the best you're going to get. And I can't do this again because you're not good enough. That's what he's telling them. Yet you got a guy comes in, same squad, different day, different outlook, proven track record, the winningest manager in football history that's still managing today, Jose Mourinho, 
And looks what looks what has happened to Spurs. They've only lost one in the last five. He's won two on the bounce. West Ham and Bournemouth. And I say, hey, say what you want about Mourinho Karting, but he is the real deal. Well, there's one there's one player. Well, he's the real deal short term, right? We know that. I mean, he yes. got out at Inter before it went bad. Real Madrid, it went bad his last season. We know what happened to Chelsea yeah, yeah. and Man United. Sure. Um, but Deli Ali is a completely different player. This is the, the Deli that we saw when he first got to Spurs uh, and broke his way into the England team. And credit to Mauricio Pochettino for buying him. He was a League One player yep. when he found him. He was playing at MK Dons. Uh, but uh, he's – I'm thinking uh, – Dele could score 15 goals this season. Now, I just talked about what a great scoring midfielder Frank Lampard was. Dele Ali, in these first two matches under Mourinho, has looked like Frank Lampard did under Jose Mourinho. When we come back from break, break, let's pick up this discussion about Dele Ali because I think you bring up an excellent point, Kartik. You're listening to Fifth Street Soccer. Nick and Kartik, we'll be right back after this. Welcome back. That song, Kiki in the Stooges, no fun. And this weekend in the Premier League was quite the opposite. Tottenham getting their second win in a row under new manager Jose Mourinho. Uh, Kartik, you were saying before the break, this sort of reawakening, the resurgence of one Deli Alley under Mourinho has been uh, remarkable. Yeah, so... Uh, we- Managers have reputations. Pochettino was seen as an attacking, entertaining manager, high press, you know, free-flowing passing game, high line defensively. Uh, Mourinho was seen as a more defensive manager. And we're seeing some problems defensively for Spurs early on, I think, under Mourinho because they're, uh, they're not, those guys aren't used to playing as deep, uh, a deep in a deep block the way Mourinho is asking them to. I think that will get sorted in time. But reputations don't always tell the story. We know when Mourinho came to Chelsea – now, replacing Claudio Ranieri in 2004, he brought with him a 4-2-3-1 formation, which uh, I talked about parking the bus and all that, so he gained the de- reputation of a defensive-minded uh, manager. However, what that formation did is while it made the wide players play deeper than they had under Ranieri uh, and deeper than they would play in the future under Ancelotti and under uh, uh, other uh, Chelsea managers – it allowed Frank Lampard the freedom to sit behind uh, the number nine, who in, in, on that team was Didier Drogba, and make these late runs, these ghosted runs into the area, and score a ton of goals. As I said in an earlier segment uh, today, uh, more goals than Zidane did for Juventus and Real Madrid. But it was just incredible in that period. And that's what I see in Deli Ali. I know it's only been two matches. Maybe I'm getting carried away. Uh, that's what we do, right? We look, for, we, yeah. we make quick snap judgments, quick conclusions. We're here to analyze things. But, Nick, I'm seeing Frank Lampard. And we know he has a little Lampard in him in his game already, right? Uh, he's a player, obviously, that Pochettino uh, uh, did a great job of, of bringing up from League One and, and putting a lot of faith in. And then some reason it went bad. And, obviously, Son was playing well and Erickson was playing well. And he, he kind of fell out of favor. But... Uh, I'm seeing that Lampard effect or that Mourinho effect on Lampard on Deli Ali. Two matches, I know. Yeah, Kardec, you're getting carried away. Uh, but uh, I, I, I think he could be a monster this and, season. We and, might and be let, talking about 15 goals. Right. And let me see season. something else here for a minute. Um, I, I think, and I'm just, uh, I'm just putting this out there, but 
the fact that Mourinho comes in, and we'll see what happens with the mid midweek games. I don't. Uh, they have Man United, I think, on uh, Wednesday uh, at Old Trafford. If they win that game, which, by the way, I actually expect them to win that game, it really devalues Pochettino as a manager. And here's a guy who's in the shop window right now looking for another club, and when another manager comes in and takes the same clay that you were unable to make a beautiful pot with and makes a pot out of it, it don't look good for you. No, it doesn't. And and uh, look, I think there's a small, there's a small group subset of managers that will win where, regardless of where they will go. Uh, Jose Mourinho is one. Antonio Conte is another. Uh, he's yeah. got Inter top of the table. They just jumped. They had a great result this week. Lukaku looks. Lukaku looks like a monster. If I yeah. could just uh, uh, diverge for a minute. Uh, well, I've watched him play for Inter a couple times this season. Midweek he was, uh, you know, getting wide, doing the sort of things Solskjaer couldn't get him to do it at, at United. Um, uh, so Conte and Mourinho are in an elite class. And Mourinho, look, I, I don't want. It's tough to say this stuff about Pochettino because he did such a good job of implementing his style, his um, his uh, philosophy, his values on the club from the top down through the youth ranks, etc. But I think in terms of get now you've got those players who were young players and who knows if it had been another manager, Harry Kane may never have gotten a sniff of the first team. Deli Ali never would have been bought by a top Premier League club. Eric right. Dyer never would have been bought by a top Premier League club. But Maybe Pochettino was only able to get them so far, playing his way. And now you need some ruthlessness, you need some toughness, and you need, and this is particularly important, if there's one critique of Pochettino, it is that he was not a good in-game manager. He was not a good manager of tactics. One, he had a philosophy, he had a style of play, but substitution-wise uh, and in terms of his ability to uh, affect the match in-match, uh, once the kickoff happened, he wasn't there. Mourinho is a master of that sort of thing. Uh, he leaves no stone unturned. His tactics change from match to match because yep. he scouts the dossiers written on the edition. Uh This might be what Spurs need. Maybe they just needed this this pragmatism coupled with a certain degree of freedom for a single player in Dele Ali, who I think was in maybe too much of a regimented uh, structure under Pochettino. Again, this defies conventional wisdom, Nick, what I'm saying here, because people say, oh, well, um, uh, Mourinho was very rigid in his, his, uh, the way he plays, and everybody has to defend, and everybody has to be behind the ball. I'm saying he's actually giving Deli Ali the freedom to make surging runs forward that he wasn't given well, late on in the Pochettino era, and I think it's making a huge difference for Spurs. Well, we will see what happens uh, midweek against Man United. Let's move along. The next one, you yeah. have this one spot on. Southampton win. Ralph Hasenhutl. We said the loser of this would be fired. Southampton, yes, Watford, happened. and true to form, um, Watford fire their manager, Kiki Sanchez, Kiki Sanchez, Flores, Sanchez, Flores, Sanchez, and uh, he's out the door, and uh, yeah. they're looking for another manager. And and right now, the next uh, odds on the next Watford manager, Chris Hutton from Brighton, uh, said he's one to one. He's even money to be the next manager. There's a history there, of course. Uh, Paul Clement from Reading, Sam Allardyce. Um, Paul, Paul Clement isn't with Reading. He was last there. Sam Allardyce, who was last at at, uh, at, um, at Everton. Uh, I mean, none of these are, uh, 
you know, Chris Hutton, I was not impressed with his tenure at Brighton and Hove Albion, to be fair. Yeah, but he got them promoted. I mean, they he were. Did. They he were. Did. Uh, yeah. You know, look, I, I think I think uh, they they got big problems. Paul just, Clements, the guy that uh, I, I would never appoint him as a as a uh, head coach uh, or as a manager. He was a very good assistant for Carlo Ancelotti at uh, at PSG, Real Madrid, and Bayern. Uh, he went to Derby, very talented Derby County team. Could not get them promoted. Got sacked. Ancelotti right. then brought him to, to Bayern to be his assistant. Uh, when they got the sack there, he went to Swansea, replaced Bob Bradley. Remember. Right. And kept them up that year. I will give them that. But then started the next season disastrously, got sacked, and did a, did a really poor job right last season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or actually, now, yeah, beginning of last season. I, I, I would not make him a head coach. I'm not sure he – Ancelotti had a lot of faith in him, uh, took him everywhere he went, Chelsea, PSG, Real Madrid, Bayern. Maybe he's just a good number two. Um, I wouldn't hire him. And who was the third name on that list? You said uh, uh, – Oh, oh Allardyce. Yeah. Oh, I would. Oh, I would Allardyce. love to see yeah, Allardyce. Sam. I just don't know if Allardyce wants uh, that that particular job. Given I think, I think Allardyce, uh, it does, they, they're not the most the defensively sound team, and he'll have a hard time and the getting goes, them to play his way. Kike Satin uh, just left Betis. Uh, Roger Schmidt, uh, Slavisa uh, jo, uh, Jokanovic. Roger Schmidt would be interesting, yeah, but, but you know, he's Warner? an attacking manager. I don't. I, I don't think they they need to be able to defend and and. And uh, Schmidt's uh, tenure, you know, I, I uh, actually uh, spent a week at Bayer Leverkusen when he was the manager. Uh, yeah. Christopher Harris and I, my colleague and I, so we got to know Roger Schmidt. He, he's a, a attacking, press high, uh, go for it type manager. This is a team that needs points. They need a guy that's going to just shut up shop and play defensively. So I, I, I have a lot of time for Roger All Schmidt. Right. Well, good I'm, good I'm bloke too, but I, I would not six. hire him in that situation. I'm going to read out And I would six. advise him not to take that job. All right, I'm going to read six managers to you very quickly because these are the ones lower on the list. Whether they would go to Watford or not, I, I don't know. Neil Warnock, Tony Pulish, Mark Hughes, D David Moyes, Martin O'Neill, Alan Pardew. These are all available managers. Uh, they're all a little long in the tooth, I think, except for maybe David Moyes, who I, uh, you know, I'm an admirer of. But I can't see any of them going to Watford. That's a project. Yeah, you know, O'Neill, it, it went so badly for Martin O'Neill at Nottingham Forest yes, last season. Uh, the club he played for under Brian Clough that I, and it it ended so badly with the Republic of Ireland. We'd like to blame Roy Keane for that. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's past it. And then uh, Moyes, I, I I would voice advise Moyes not to take that job. Maybe Absolutely. again, we talked about the well, Everton we're gonna, job. We're going to talk in a minute about uh, uh, about the David Moyes. Yeah, Hughes, so Mark Hughes, yeah. I think is an underrated manager. Um, that Sparky? might be an interesting one. Although Hughes would like to play. Hughes, like Roger Schmidt, we just talked about yeah. Roger Schmidt, would like to play their way out of trouble. And I think maybe they need a guy who's just going to shut up shop. So you've right. got to go Pulis or Allardyce, really. Right. we got we got four minutes left. Let's run through this quickly. Arsenal get a draw yeah. under Freddie Lundberg, uh, plus 230. That was a big, big payday on the draw. Uh, Wolves, Sheffield United, uh, a draw uh, on that game. Again, yeah. Sheffield were flying high. Uh, that was a good result, I think, for both teams. I like Wolves yeah. a lot. Uh, let's talk Leicester-Everton. Because Leicester won at home, last gasp, goal, broke the heart of Marco Silva. Uh, if Everton lose midweek, uh, he has to be gone. And the question is, who would they hire? Uh, and the fans are apoplectic that they not rehire David Moyes. But I have to wonder if he's the caretaker manager, maybe. Uh, so here, here's the thing about Everton supporters, and I've gotten into a lot of trouble with them over the years about Moyes, because I'm a big admirer of Moyes, and I, I think Moyes got more out of less than, than – 
pioneered some really great scouting techniques too. Um, Everton fans have told me as long as they stay in the Premier League, they would rather watch entertaining football than what they saw under Moyes. That's rubbish. Um, that's rubbish. They I want get to be that, relegated? Really? but they may not stay in the Premier League if they don't That's appoint right. the right guy here because they um, they have a mishmash of players. Look, when you spend as much money as they have on high-end players, those guys don't have the stomach for a relegation fight. So you're now, you know, guys like Charleston and uh, Iwobi who came in on big salaries, they're not guys who have the stomach to fight. Theo Walcott, he's never been in anything remotely resembling a relic when he was at Arsenal. So I think they have to be careful. You, you, oh, uh, they need an attacking manager, but I would argue that those are that's a curse because those players don't have the toughness or the experience to fight relegation. They're guys who play for top four spots, not relegation spots. That's an interesting Ever since take big on trouble. it. They, I think they need to appoint Moise. Yeah, they that's an interesting to. take on it. Look, um, I can't imagine Marco Silva's going to survive. If he does survive, it's only because there's no one else to hire. But I think they are really in danger of hitting the relegation zone hard. Uh, I don't just mean like uh, bouncing on the outside, like uh, bouncing off the Earth's atmosphere. I mean like bouncing and getting sucked into it. Uh, because results like today, absolutely devastating for Everton. And they are only two points off the relegation zone. Only one win in the last five. Let's go to the next match. We only have two minutes. Man United Villa... Um, look, yeah. uh, uh, Man, Man United management has come out and said time and time again they are not replacing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. They are going to give him the time for the quote-unquote project. I, I, I like that. I think that's the right approach. But you have to think if they continue to string these really bad results together that at some point they're going to have to make a change. Looking at, for example, what happened at Spurs. Now keep in mind the Spurs squad is better than the United squad but a managerial change seemed to make all the difference. I can't see him going, but things are definitely not looking good uh, for United right now. Yeah, Pogba's injury is a big part of it, obviously, but uh, they shouldn't be so reliant on one player. But they yeah. are. Uh, they don't look a good team without him. Their midfield looks dysfunctional. Uh, and I, I mentioned this earlier in the year when they had some decent results that it looked like Pogba, I, I think I said it on this show, looked like Pogba was playing two or three different roles. What's going to happen if he's not there? We thought it was because he'd get sold, but now it's because he's hurt and they're missing like two or three players, it seems like, right, right without we, him. So right, we've got, we got just like 30 seconds left. Kartik, you know, I, I think with Aston Villa, you're seeing a well-managed, well-run club. I know yes. they were struggling really early on in the in the season, or, you know, not, not getting any results at all. Um, uh, and they are now, you know, they're now 15th, but look. They just re-signed Dean Smith to a new contract. I mean, if that is yeah. not the right thing to do, uh, showing that you support the manager, I don't know what is. We do have to go to break. We'll be right back to wrap it up. Fifth Street Soccer. All right. Welcome back to Street Soccer. Just a couple of minutes left. Uh, let's throw it over to Kartik, my co-host. Uh, Kartik, final thought. Yeah, I, I uh, think that the managerial go-around is really going to intensify in the next few weeks. Arsenal open. I don't think Freddie Lundberg is long for the world. They got fortunate to get that result against Norwich. Uh, Tim Krul made the save on the penalty, uh, and they got to retake it. I guess one of the Norwich players came uh, into the box early. I, I'm not quite sure I understand that interpretation. I have to wonder, after watching Atleti in Barcelona 
uh, yesterday afternoon. If Diego Simeone is done, uh, we see here Kiki Sanchez Flores, who was his predecessor at, uh, at at Letty, who had very much the kind of the same very defensive philosophy, uh, flame out the second time at Watford after doing a good job the first time. But Simeone has hit a wall at Atleti. They signed more attacking-minded players, and they're struggling. They're they're. Uh, might not make the Champions League this time, believe it or not. They finished second the last two years in, in Spain, but they have for the title the way people expected. This year, they've fallen further back and, again, are going to struggle to make the top four. I think this might be when he jumps. Arsenal, you got to break the chains with the Wenger philosophy of pretty beautiful football. You need someone like Simeone to come in, tighten it up at the back, be very, very strong and have guys that are strong in the tackle, like to get stuck in. That's the way it let it go. Madrid has played for many years, most physical team in Europe, uh, arguably. I, I think it's a good fit. I I'd like to see him as the Arsenal manager. Well, would you think Stan Kroenke would back him for what he needs? Well, that's that's another question, though, because he'd he need a lot of money to rebuild that squad, and maybe that's why uh, it won't happen, and they'll end up with another recycled manager. Look, I don't think Emery's a bad manager. I just don't think I, – I think they have an ownership problem more than anything at Arsenal right now. And you, you pointed out, and you're right, Cronky's the problem. Exactly. All right. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back on the air with you tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 Pacific, on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM uh, 211, Dan Patrick Sports. In the meantime, find us on Twitter, at Fistry Sports. I'm at McGeeber. He's at KKFLA737. And if you missed any part of the show – you can find it on the Believe Podcast Network. Until tomorrow, cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.